Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Everyman podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have Sarah Townsend, who is a copywriter and a best-selling author. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm really good, thank you. Despite the fact that it's eight a.m. and I'm not normally podcast recording this early in the morning, it's um yeah, nearly the weekend. All good. Yeah, uh, it's it's a new one for us actually. We had a recording last night actually. So some of us, so me and Ethan, who's on the podcast today. I don't know what time we finished last night. I would say about 10 o'clock and then straight back into another, which is great, actually. I, I'm loving it. Ethan was definitely complaining this morning saying, oh, I can't sorry, do these Ethan. early mornings after a late night. But, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now and I can't handle it. You know, if I was 29, I'd be fine. But, you know, once you hit 30, it's game up. But no, you know, I've, I, I'm loving having Sarah on in the energy. We've had a pre-chat as well. And, Sarah's energy is great this morning, so I'm feeding off that, and I'm raring to go. Don't worry. Is that so? Is that the podcast hangover gone, and you're awake and ready for it? I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I'm on the way. You're on the way. Okay, glass of water. That's it. Fresh air. That's Get outside. Exactly. All works. Um, Matthew, it. how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm used to being up early with clients, so this is kind of a bit of a lie-in for me. I think I've got a bit. <laughs> an hour, hour or so but I'm used to getting up at 5am so yeah. not not any different than usual to be fair um, but yeah I'm good this morning looking forward to be on the podcast shame I couldn't uh, be on last night but it's the the work of being a personal trainer all hours yeah the joys well I, I think that's yeah. probably a, a great way for us to lead into what today's conversation is about so Sarah you, you have wrote two books but I, I suppose for our audience and the one that's probably most relevant will be your survival skills for freelancers. So essentially within that book, I didn't write the book, you're definitely going to tell us way more about the book than I'm able to do in this <laughs> intro. But essentially it will, it, it talks about all the, the common myths and the ways that people can cope with being a freelancer. Um, I think what was really interesting when I read the book um, was around how it helps people not just deal with how to be a freelancer in terms of the uh, the headline stuff. It actually goes into probably a deeper layer of context mm. around some of the struggles people will will face when they're freelancing. Um, and it's not just the actual tasks of being a freelancer. It's also around their mental health and how they look after themselves to make sure that they can optimally freelance um, mm. in the best way possible. So mm. I think it's a, a really incredible book. And it's something that we are obviously going to be discussing today as well. So, but before we get into that, Sarah, I'd be really interested to understand a little bit more about you and our guests to understand a bit about you, your career and how it, how, how you came to writing a book. So just mm. before. Yeah, so I have been a freelance copywriter for 24 years now. I was actually working in an agency down in Bristol, yeah. loved my job, but then became pregnant with my daughter. And um, she's about to turn 24 and really didn't want to continue the agency life when I was a mum. I just wanted a job that would fit around having a new family. But I found myself very much in this position where I was doing two things that I'd never done before and I knew nothing about. And the first one was being a freelance business owner and the second one was being a parent. And um, yeah, I, I kind of struggled through my first, I'd say 10 years, because mm -hmm. um, bear in mind that when I started out as a freelancer in 1999, there was no social media, there were no online communities, there were none of those 
real positive things that we now have to support ourselves through um, freelance life. And Mm -hmm. I really struggled with the isolation. I struggled with the feeling that I had to do everything myself, which of course isn't the case at all. I had no boundaries. I had no work-life balance. It put an incredible strain on my relationships. And um, my marriage ended. I wouldn't say it was as a result of that, but certainly it was a contributing factor. And um, yeah, so 20 years later, I'm doing freelance much better. Um, Worked out the ways for myself, kind of the hard way on how to deal with those challenges that we don't expect. And um, it was before lockdown and just the start of 2020, I thought I'm going to write a book about this because I felt like I'd learned enough by making these mistakes that I could tell people in a really open, honest, heart on your sleeve type of way, very emotionally kind of honest, um, how I dealt with these challenges so that they didn't have to make the same mistakes. They could kind of shortcut the the messy challenges of self-employment and become successful and confident and get more enjoyment from self-employment um and yeah the the book is it's not just my voice throughout Mm -hmm. it's also got quotes and case studies from uh, from 100 freelancers in all different areas so graphic designers I've even got a painter and decorator in there I've got a builder in there because I think we quite often forget that freelancers come in all shapes and sizes and yeah. um, yes, it's since sold in 28 countries and helped freelancers and small business owners around the world to grow in confidence and to tackle those challenges that we don't expect. Um, yeah. yeah. Do, do you know what? I think what I found the most interesting re- when reading it actually was that perspective and um, was around the fact that there was essentially the problem statement of what the, the myth is. Then mm. it would be the reality of what actually happens, then you gave advice. And then what you've just touched on there, what I found really amazing was there was all these different perspectives Mm. of how to, what really happens. So it's not actually just the voice of Sarah. As you say, it's the voice of all these different experts. Mm. And they are experts because they have that lived experience to be able to pass on their knowledge and experience of of what's happened. Um, Yeah, and I definitely found that really interesting because then... The book is actually not designed. So your background, having read the book, is within marketing. Um, So some people would say, well, Sarah's in marketing. I'm a builder, for example. Why would this book work for me? Or or, uh, Slater, I'm sure, who's obviously a PT. um, Very similar. He he works as a a freelance PT. He he does have a a contract with the gym and things. But at face value, when people see Sarah's a marketer, I'm not sure if this book would be for me because I don't work in marketing. What mm. was truly incredible, it's not It's not just for people who work in marketing. It's generally made for people who freelance. And I, th- I really found that interesting. Um, how did you, how did you get that balance in terms of when you're writing the book from your own lived experience and then making sure that you had all of those different um, sort of perspectives? I thought having perspectives and the voice of other freelancers in there was was vital because yeah. my voice is just my voice. My experience is just my experience. And even though from researching while I was writing the book, I realised just how many people out there were struggling from the same issues. They were struggling from not having any work-life balance and not knowing how to set boundaries and not realising that it was okay to take control and 
take mm-hmm. back this feeling of you're the boss. And so many of us kind of instead let our clients, our freelance clients, set the tone, you know, dictate how much they're going to pay and yeah. dictate the hours that we work, you know. Are they messaging you over the weekend? And are you kind of jumping and going, oh, my clients message me. I need to message them straight back. Actually setting those boundaries and saying, look, my working hours are whatever works for you. Because ultimately yeah. we go freelance. We're, we're kind of trying to get away from that nine to five. We're kind of needing to listen to what works for us and understand our own positive working patterns. For you getting up at 8am and starting work straight away might not be the best way that you work you might prefer to get up later um you know do a bit of exercise first thing in the morning and then start later on in the day that's absolutely mm-hmm. fine your clients don't yeah. need to know even the hours that you're working as long as you get the job done as long as you're reliable and fun to work with that's great but um yeah I forgot what the question was <laughs> No, no, it's it's absolutely fine. It was probably more, you did answer it. So it was around how did you balance getting your own perspective in there and then the voice of other people? Mm, Yeah, Yeah. no, I think that the things like imposter syndrome, when I started talking to other people and realising, okay, so it's not just, this was part of the reason why I wrote the book in the first place. It was more talking Mm -hmm. to other freelancers out there in different areas. And um Slater, I've got um I've got a guy who is a Pilates instructor. He went from being a financial advisor to being a Pilates instructor full time. And he mm-hmm. swears by this book. He's recommended it to so many people. And yeah. he was just starting out as a freelancer um at the time the book came out. And he, yeah, it it just shows. I think because I don't talk about marketing specifically it is all about what's in here the kind of mental health challenges but also the ways in which our mindset gets in our own way and we have a lack of confidence and we think we're the only person feeling the isolation or the loneliness or the need to do everything for your business whereas actually outsourcing is is key um and that's one of the um that's one of the myths that I bust you can't do everything for your business you can't um you might feel confident so say me as a copywriter I feel super confident with my skills as a copywriter and an editor I can take any document however much of a mess it's in and I can transform it and make it into something great that's my superpower but that in itself is not enough to become a successful freelancer. You have to appreciate that there's a lot of pressure. You have to do your own accounts, your own IT, your own admin, your own social media management, all these things. But actually do you, when you realise that you can outsource and you can spend more time doing the things that you love and the reason you went self-employed in the first place, that actually helps with those feelings of self-worth because you're not getting to the end of the week and finding God, I've spent 40% of my week this week doing things A, I don't know how to do, B, I'm not good at, and C, they're not making me money. So at the end of the week, if you spent half your week doing the admin, doing the marketing, doing the IT support for yourself, you can end up feeling like, God, I'm not very good at this. And that has really negative impacts on your self-worth. So the more you can set those boundaries, the more you can... um, talk I think about the things like imposter syndrome and realize everybody gets it 86% of UK professionals in a study admitted and this is male and female from the intern to the CEO quite literally um, admit to 
experiencing imposter syndrome, for example, and that's just one of the challenges. Mm-hmm. So, when, so, you know, when we talk about these things, we're taking the power out of them. We're taking taking the power back ourselves. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, really? And it's quite a niche way you, you've approached the book, as Lewis has said, Sarah, just the, the fact that you're taking so many different areas from so many different people. It's not just you and your friends in one mm-hmm. sector. You go yeah. and, like mm-hmm. you say, your Pilates instructor, you know, which is quite relatable to Slater. I mean, obviously, we, we all know what imposter syndrome is. Just for sort of the, the every every man sort of, or every woman listening to the yeah. podcast, Sarah, would you mind just going through a bit of imposter syndrome and just explaining maybe what it is, if that's all right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So it, imposter syndrome is that feeling that you don't deserve your success, that you're a fraud, you're going to be found out. Um, it kind of is all stemming around from a lack of confidence, but but it is a little bit more than that. It's just that kind of, if you're sitting in a meeting with a client and um, and you're kind of feeling like, I, I don't deserve to be here, you know, as if you've... Yeah achieved success through some form of fluke or luck um or yeah just just sheer chance which of course isn't the case at all and and it's all about talking about those things I think with other people because when we're working in an office environment then Mm -hmm. we might have those kind of water cooler moments and we might go ah I've been invited to do a presentation for the board next week and um, Colin, you know, I'm wrecking it. Like, I, I I don't think I can do this. I don't think I've got the confidence. And your work friends would just go, oh, yeah, man, I, I was I was asked to do that last month. And and, and I was really nervous, too. But, you, you know, you can do this. You've you've done X, Y, Z. You know, you've got the confidence to do this. You'll be absolutely fine. And then because you talk about it in the moment, that takes the power away from the feeling. But when you're working on your own and you are feeling isolated and you don't necessarily have that community around you and that network of people who are going to support you and big you up, it's really easy to kind of go in on yourself on those feelings and just end up kind of thinking, God, you know, I can't do this. And then you work yourself up in your brain and you just kind of end up undermining the little confidence that you've got. And um, it's really easy to doubt yourself, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it yeah. definitely is. Yeah, I, I've definitely I've been in places. Go on, Slater. Go on, Luke. Go on. I'll go on then. I'll jump in. I've certainly found that over the last year, obviously starting out as a personal trainer, literally every day kind of becomes that battle internal of, am mm. I good enough to be doing this? That self-confidence. Then you get the clients and you, you're thinking, oh, am I what they need? And you, you kind of mm. convince yourself that they're not. And I'm quite an individual kind of person. So... I'll go into my own shell and kind of lock myself away and focus on things by myself instead of opening up. But the Mm. few times that I do open up, say with my partner or or with the lads, it feels so much better because then you look at it logistically, you look at all the things you have achieved, as you say, where you go, actually, I'm worried about doing a consultation next week with someone new. I've done 20 of them in the last two months or three months or however it is. I've got all that experience. How well did they all go? Right. Well, actually, in reality, I can do this. So it's it's really good okay. to open up about it because it gives you that fresh perspective as well. Mm. Um, so I think that's really interesting, especially at the freelance level. I think it's not just globally as well, but probably a little bit more as freelance because you you're on your own. You haven't got those kind of conversations to have with your colleagues, have you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is where having a community around you is is so very important. That's another of the chapters in the book. But actually, you t- you touched on something really important there because um, in survival skills, I share 
think it's six um, coping strategies for dealing with imposter syndrome. And I'm not saying you can ever get it to go away because I don't think it does, but just take the fear out of it. Kind of make impo- imposter syndrome your friend almost because quite often it will exist to help you, to, to help identify gaps in your knowledge and perhaps areas in which you might need to train or you might need to boost your own skills but I think it also helps to keep us all humble because nobody wants to become that person who thinks they know it all but actually just what you touched on about thinking about um yeah you know oh I've got a, a a Um, a new client and I've got to do this kind of initial assessment with them or this initial session maybe this isn't maybe I can't do this but actually collecting that evidence and going back and going no okay you know I've done this and I and I got this feedback this great feedback from this client two weeks ago and I went through the exact process with them what worked from that process and what didn't work and actually just taking the time to review what worked and what didn't work that's a really great way of having that awareness and going okay I'm going to do more of what it sounds so blasted obvious doesn't it but I'm going to do more of what works and less of what doesn't but actually collecting that evidence that is a way of kind of reassuring and like creating this stronger feeling inside yourself this self-belief um that yeah you 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 can do this and um you know if it is something new I think stepping outside your comfort zone is such an important thing to do it's um it's comfort zone stretch zone and panic zone isn't it and anytime you're in your stretch zone which is something that maybe is slightly outside your comfort zone maybe it's something you haven't done before but it's one of those things where you do it and you get this incredible rush of confidence and this rush of adrenaline and like I did it and and, yeah. and doing those little slightly uncomfortable things on a regular basis that is how we grow as individuals and as freelance business owners and um it's such an important thing to do yeah I, I completely agree with that and so I in the past I have well I've run my own businesses before and that was something that I felt that pressure when I had staff of the imposter syndrome because you're kind of sat in a position and even even now so I'm a, a manager in a fairly large business and there's days where you're doing tasks maybe for the first time and you think am I really able to do this and mm-hmm. and I'm a, a pretty confident guy I'll talk to anyone about anything and I will give anything a go but where you say that stretch period I find myself almost craving those stretch periods yeah. like I want to Earlier in my career, I definitely tried to avoid them at times. But now I've probably found a, a place where, as you say, that rush of confidence and adrenaline when you, when, or when I have achieved those things, I've almost become like, I need more of that. I want to find more of that because I'm it's on kind. that that trajectory of trying to improve and try and be better. And the podcast for us, all of us, is this exact thing. We are just a group of normal guys who have no background in podcasting. I work in marketing, not podcasting. Ethan works in um, commercial billing, not podcasting. Matt Matt works in personal training, not podcasting. So we're all even just doing this out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Um, What was really interesting though, and, and the thing that resonated me with me the most there was where you said it's around community building and 
finding those people around you who can help you with maybe some of the struggles that you have and Mm -hmm. it's all about your network and stuff so how have you done that effectively like what did you do to make sure that you had the right community around you to enable you to be successful Mm, well I think this is kind of this comes back to the first like 10 years of me um as a freelance business owner just not having any of that because 1999 Mm -hmm. no social media no communities no Facebook groups no Twitter chats whatever and um yeah and I think that is a big part of why I struggled and I genuinely believe that anybody who is freelance today has it potentially so much easier because all those supportive communities are out there they do exist I didn't do any networking for my business for the first 10 years I just thought networking was I mean I was like in my late 20s and I just thought networking was for middle-aged men in suits nothing against middle-aged men in suits but you know I kind of thought it was this serious sort of um like like old school chamber of commerce type of you know some federation of small businesses or whatever I just didn't think it was for me and I think I'd, my, my business had been going 10-12 years before I ever set foot in a networking event and I was lucky I got um found a really nice super friendly super low-key casual just take your laptop along on a Friday and it's just all a bit of co-working basically it was co-working yeah. before co-working was a thing and um I met some really nice people they're all local and and I thought god this is a bit of a game changer so um I think over the years I just I think with when it comes to networking and growing your own community there's a lot of test and measure isn't there there's a lot of trying experimenting scrapping that one that's not for me you know you have to try the different things and just see what works for you and um yeah certainly when I realized that online communities were a thing I mean in terms of really recent um time scale at the start of covid I thought god we're not going to be able to network at all and I actually pulled together a small group I think there were seven of us um fellow copywriters some of whom I'd only met once before but we'd been out for a Christmas meal I think it was the year before 2019 and and I thought okay let's set these people up in a WhatsApp group and Mm -hmm. um and and we're now copy sisters (laughs) and we support one another through everything like absolutely everything and it's probably more personal issues than it is professional to be fair so there are things like um I've got this challenge with a client how would you tackle this I've got this pricing issue how would you price this job because this isn't the sort of thing I've done before what what would you guys charge for this and all the kind of practical side that's great but then we support one another through relationship issues um challenges with our kids with our Mm -hmm. finances everything absolutely everything and having that is is just such a game changer even if it doesn't have to be a huge community but there are so many groups out there that are strong Facebook groups actually some of the great freelance Facebook groups have just moved away from Facebook into paid communities so I'm not as comfortable kind of recommending them now but but they are out there and um, it's just so nice to have like-minded people but I mean in 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 some in kind of a traditional sense we might have gone you know oh that person's a, another freelance copywriter they are the competition but I think community over competition every single time because 
those people who are doing the same job as you, particularly as freelancers, they are the people that have the ability to empathize, to understand what you're going through, to really, truly support you and not just pay lip service and go, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Because they've been through these same challenges, they can just be there for you and support you and and more than anything, kind of help you realize that you're really not alone. And there are other people out there who understand. And that is just so, so powerful. Yeah. Sarah, just before Lou jumps in again, um, this should be called the Every Vines podcast because um, he's just he's just hugging his this morning. But uh, you've made some great you've made some great points there. And I just want to throw your points towards Slater. So obviously, Lewis, as he mentions on every episode, he used to play for Plymouth Argyle. He's had his own businesses before. I haven't said that. You know, once. Oh. so he, every every episode he mentions he's had his own business, and and it's honestly. So, um, but Matthew Slater, you know, you're currently in the you're in the trenches, um, and your Sarah yeah. made some great points there. Now, I want to throw this to you because no offense, I'm gonna throw you in the bus in front of Sarah, but you are shocking at social media. You are like. I am. The well, worst I'm shocking a lot of things. <laughs> but but the thing is, yeah. Slater, you are a phenomenal personal trainer and you are mm-hmm. so knowledgeable. You know, you, you practice what you preach as well. Um, yeah. And I just want to know what what we can do to maybe enhance your social media, but also how what your community looks like a bit. Like Sarah's mentioned, she had a strong community. Obviously, fair enough, mm-hmm. there's the personal aspect as well as the working relationship. And I want to know if you've got that by your side later because obviously that could be something that really benefits you moving forward in the next 12 months yeah. of your journey no i really appreciate that ethan because it's 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 them conversations where how can we help you you kind of take as a granted that people know but they don't um certainly when you t- mentioned the the social media one i think that a lot comes down to the imposter syndrome and that self-confidence to get out there and just post something um mm-hmm. you'll have seen every now and then i try and get into a, a swing of things just to get the content out there and start practicing it and start getting used to it. Um, I try and get Esther, my partner, he's no joke that she's a, she's a older lady, <laughs> but I try and get Esther to keep me accountable to that. Um, but sometimes that's not quite enough because you can come up with the excuses why you haven't done it. In terms of the community side of that, I've got a little bit of that in the gym, which I'm really, really lucky and grateful for but it's still quite vague. It's every now and then you'll touch base if people are having breaks at the same time. You know, you might get five minutes of a quick chat. So you never really get to properly delve into those problems. And and after you've mentioned that, Sarah, it's something that in the gym that I work at, it's probably going to be really good to kind of build that a little bit more and kind of get the personal trainers together because there's a, there's a few of us in the same situation where we've just started out in the last year. So we're all kind of going through our own journeys um, there's mm-hmm. been a few little conversations here and there about social media and you know pricing and how you have those difficult conversations with clients um, but maybe starting to build a community like that with the personal trainers in the gym yeah. you know once a month having a check-in where we have a an afternoon where it's either a, a, a coffee or something like that just to get a little bit more time together obviously with with being a freelance and personal trainer not everyone's always got that time they've got families and things like that but it would be mm-hmm. good just to especially because i work with such a good group of people in that gym um they're all fantastic personal trainers and open their own um experiences from life as well um mm-hmm. so definitely building that community um in terms of what you can do ethan probably um 
hold us hold us accountable. Say what's your plan, you know, what's your plan for social media and give me feedback as well because if you put something out there and I'm telling myself it's it's rubbish or it's not hit the marks that I wanted it to, it's not actually engaging people, even if it if that's true, if you say to me, Slater, listen, that post, I just felt it was a little bit too long in terms of what you were saying. I know you say, you joked to us, Ethan, that I get too sciencey and I need to break it down into layman's terms sometimes. But that's the kind of feedback I need and the kind of just little check-ins that I need. So things like that really make it a little bit easier to just kind of move forward with it, as as you say, to keep moving forward. So that would be really great. Um, and then just mm-hmm. maybe checking in as well. I think it's we we all take it for granted that we're, you know, we're checking with each other. But sometimes it's easy, especially when you're just messaging because we're, we're so limited in face-to-face time that we, it's easy enough just to say, oh, I, I don't need to talk about what I'm going through today. I've had a, I've had a tough day. I've, I'll deal with it myself because that's the way I am as a person. But maybe mm. I, I think, and this goes back to the whole mental health thing, is is ask the question, how are you doing? How's your day really been? Take that extra little bit of time. And this is everyone with everyone. Um, it's not just you do it to me, it's do it to your family, do it to your friends because that mm-hmm. two minutes extra time makes such a huge difference to someone yeah. when they're going through it in the trenches, when they've got a bad day and they're thinking, Christ, what am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? Everything's rubbish. You mm-hmm. taking that time, and as Sarah says, a problem shared kind of loses its its heaviness and its impact yeah. on you. So you can then go and have a ch- proper chat about it. And sometimes all it takes is that two minutes at the water cooler in the office to say oh I'm having a rubbish day I'm really stressed that I've got all this work on and you're going oh it'll be all right we'll be at the weekend soon you know we've got this to look forward to um but it's quite a solitary life as Sarah said as a as a freelancer Mm -hmm. and you can get caught up in that way you're very individual I've got to do all this which is one of the myths I see in the book where you you take the responsibility for it all um but sharing it definitely makes an impact and I think that that's across the board with everyone really and mental health especially so that's something you can I think we all need to keep in mind more because I think we say it but how often we act on it probably less than we should so Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm. exactly exactly mate yeah just about those little small conversations what were you going to say Luke exactly I was going to say that the one that really I don't worry Thanks, Ethan. So, Sarah, you'll always find this, right? And I'm going to call him out on this. On every episode, Ethan likes to try and play a bit of the clown, bless him. It's his his way of of being funny. And it it does make everyone laugh, which is great. So, well done, mate. You've done it again. There's another tick. We've just got to wait for the Robin Ryan next. Um, Sarah, the myth that um, really stood out to me was myth seven which was around, I think it was, I love my job, every day should be a good day. Mm. And that's where you really went into the ideas around sort of mental health and how people can support their mental health. Mm. I think that would be really beneficial for us to talk to. It's probably the most relevant topic in terms of what we talk about all the time as a, as a group of guys and, and what sort of our, our focus is within a podcast. So within... So, so most people will go into freelancing and think, okay, as you said before, I'm good at potentially good at copywriting or I'm good at design. So therefore I should be a great 
freelance oh. copywriter or designer. Yeah, yeah. So because I'm good at it, I will love it. But actually, the reality is what you're you're saying. You don't spend all of your time, especially at the beginning, doing the thing you love because you mm. have to essentially run your own business. Yeah. So what what and how did you and do you um, look after your own mental health? whilst running your own business how do you do that because I think that's something that Slate has probably alluded to slightly there it is a challenge to look after yourself while trying to run your own business Mm -hmm. yeah there's so much to touch on with this subject isn't there um I think yeah I think this is the stuff that people don't realise because, as you say, you think, right, I'm a great copywriter, I'm a great graphic designer, I'm a great painter and decorator, whatever it is, I'm going to be great as a freelancer. But actually, not everybody does have the right um, combination of character traits, for example. So I don't think freelance, I don't think everybody is cut out for freelance life. And I think even the strongest among us, and I'm not one of those people, I've struggled, I think I just said that I've struggled with low mood my whole life. And now I know really well what works for me. Um, But it took me ages to to work that out. And it took me ages also to realise that I had to prioritise my own mental health and physical health, because if I didn't, I would have no I'd have nothing left to give. So um, if I'm just saying yes to everything, I'm saying yes to every piece of work that comes my way, regardless of whether or not it's a good fit with my business, with my skill set, with where I want my business to develop um, and how I want myself to develop as an individual business owner. Um, And then what happens is that you kind of end up, you're overworked, you're overwhelmed, and then overwhelm quite often leads to burnout. Um, The subtitle of the book is Tried and Tested Tips to Help You Ace Self-Employment Without Burnout. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's the reason. And yeah, as you say, um, to be perfectly honest, I haven't reread Survival Skills for Freelancers for a little while, so I can't remember specifically what I cover in Myth 7. But what I do know is that the, the stuff that that we don't realize is this oh the isolation the imposter syndrome the i think there's kind of a toxic positivity um culture particularly in maybe less so on linkedin than before covid because i do think covid the, the the one positive to come out of covid is that we all talk about our mental health a lot lot more it's less um of a taboo subject it's less something that that we feel ashamed of uh, and we're all hopefully much much better at being open um and and we're getting there we're we're all trying really hard to kind of to to be more open and more authentic about um the challenges that we face but i don't know if you guys have noticed that on linkedin quite often there's like oh yeah you know five you know five figure month and and all this kind of oh yeah self-employment is great well actually that's not helping anybody that's really not not. helping anybody um and I feel really strongly about this and I get quite cross I try not to engage too much with posts like this but I get quite cross when I see this because there is this feeling of when you're doing a job you love you'll never work a day in your life you know that quote has got so much to answer for because we feel that when we are having a bad day or we're having a bad week or we're struggling with our mental health or um, we're simply, we just don't have the work coming in, mm-hmm. puts a heck of a lot of pressure on your, um, you, you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, all mm-hmm. of this. And, 
and and because of that stupid quote that just tends to go around in the back of your head you know god well you know I, I love writing and i'm and i'm getting paid to be a writer but i'm still not happy like what the hell is wrong with me mm-hmm. that that is just such a common thought pattern and i think again to recognize that you're not the only person who feels that or hey everybody is going through that to a certain degree, I think there's an awful lot of this emperor's new clothes kind of thing going on um, on social media, particularly people going, oh, yeah, you know, like, um, yeah, six figure freelancers and all this kind of culture. Whereas to me, success is about so much more than money, so much more. I mm-hmm. Today's actually my day off. So I'm talking to you guys on my day off. But normally I don't work Fridays. I stopped working Fridays when I turned 50. And that for me has been a game changer. I would say I still get the same amount of work done within four days than I ever did in five. Um, yeah. But for me, being able to have the opportunity to pursue the other things that I love doing to spend more time out in nature for me is a really big one exercising is a really big one huge I try to build exercise into my day every single day and I think what happens is we think god you know I'm working I should be but actually if you think about when you're working in an office how much time during your day do you kind of spend like you know thinking about things and and going into the kitchen, having a chat with your colleagues and talking about last night's game on TV or whatever it is you're watching or mm-hmm. whatever you did last night. And when we're freelance, we don't do that because we've got nobody to talk to half the time. And every minute we're not physically sitting in front of our computer, working, staring at the screen, typing away. We feel that we're, we feel that we're cheating almost. Yeah. But it's quite the opposite because actually, particularly as a freelance creative, I, I need changes of scene. I need fresh air, exercise. I need all those things when I'm swimming, for example. I actually came up with the title for Survival Skills. Originally, it had a subtitle, How to Go Solo Without Going Loco. I bloody mm-hmm. loved it. But I ended up ditching it. But there's a long story behind that, which I won't go into. But I came up with that when I was swimming one day. Mm-hmm. And I find that when you're not thinking about what the problem is, or the, the creative juices flow. On, exactly. It boosts your productivity, your creativity, your focus, your motivation, your flow, all those things. So actually, when you think, um, Slater was saying about... Um, it's amazing. I think what you just said about getting an idea of getting together, even if it's just once a month for an hour, chatting over coffee, you know, how can you guys support one another? What are the challenges you're all facing? And actually to realize, you say that these are all great personal trainers, and I'm sure that's true, but I'm sure they also all have their own imposter syndrome. I'm sure they also are all facing challenges. And I just reckon that's going to be such a fantastic thing. And I definitely think you should do it and let me know how you get on. Mm-hmm. But where when you when you're doing that and you kind of think oh god I can't afford to take an hour out of my week because this is time I'm not getting paid for but because it is time invested into your mental health and your mindset and your community and boosting your network you never know it might also have the knock-on effect of getting more work for you because one of those personal trainers might not like working with say older clients or clients with um sports injuries for example but that might be your thing and they might go oh you know do you know what do do you want me to introduce you to this client so actually taking that time and putting that as a non-negotiable in your calendar in your schedule every single week I need to spend time 
working on growing my network, building my relationships, marketing my business, the social media side of things. Yeah, not everybody's comfortable with it, but the more you do it, it's in the stretch zone for you by the sound of it. The more you do it, the better you become. And the better you become, the more your confidence grows and the better you get. So yeah, I, I feel like I've kind of blurred a lot of stuff out there. No, it was it, it was really good. But, it, it was really good. I think when you talk about the loan, like the loan working, you need to get out and exercise and stuff. I think a lot mm. of us felt that in the pandemic. So yeah. since the pandemic, I work from home more than I ever did. Mm. And where I'm trying to make this probably more relatable other than just freelancers, because this affects all of us. Absolutely. Since a lot of us now work from home, I feel really guilty if I'm working from home and I go and sit downstairs for half an hour and eat my lunch mm. or if but in the office I would I will walk to the canteen and sit and have dinner with friends or colleagues mm. and have a bit of a laugh and stuff and then go back but at home I feel like I have to just be on call 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 mm. call and I don't actually it's really hard to actually do some work because... doesn't help anybody's productivity though does it nobody can no, work not... like that you have to no. take these breathing space moments you you have to just take half an hour just go outside walk around the block take the dog for yeah. a walk you know go on a quick bike ride or whatever because actually when you come back you are going to be so much more focused so much more productive nobody can sit and work facing the screen like you just can't do it. It just kills your creativity. I talk a lot yeah. about doing, sorry, Lewis, kind of cutting you off a little bit with your chocolate. It's okay. No, it's okay. It's there, okay. There's a whole, um, you know, the kind of the early part of the book before I go into busting the eight myths of self-employment, there is a whole section on working from home and being productive, <clears throat> staying motivated. This is when I realize I've got no water on my desk. Staying mm -hmm. motivated, staying productive and focused how to work and avoid distractions and all that stuff relates to everybody not just self-employed people because not everybody yeah. is cut out for working at home most people who work for the work for a company and, and choose an employed role do so or many people not most necessarily but many people who work for a business do so because they thrive on that environment of being in this busy buzzy office environment with the banter and the chat and the the noise and the kind of there's always something going on but we don't sit when we're employed we don't sit in front of our screen and just type all day no That's no not how you get things done so yeah. I feel as if sometimes we need to take a bit more of that feeling of being employed into being your own boss and not be so hard on ourselves because we are our own worst critic at the end of the day probably I mean another of the, the topics that I cover in the book is negative self-talk and who isn't guilty of that um and and that yeah. can kind of become this spiral you know if you make a mistake you're just berating yourself and it does have a negative impact on your self-worth and that's a long-term impact not just a short-term issues so yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, there's so much to think about but all the advice in the book the imposter syndrome doesn't just impact freelancers it doesn't just impact self-employed people it impacts 86 percent of the uk workforce male female intern to the ceo however experienced you are however skilled you are whether you're new or you're super experienced so so many of the topics mm -hmm. don't just relate to freelance life yeah I definitely took that. And there was lots of things I was reading that I really related to, which was mm -hmm. 
really interesting. Ethan, it looked like you're about to to jump in there, mate. Yeah, I was just about to say, so you, you've you've hit the nail on the head with with my my own duties at work. So I'm not freelance, you know. I've not had the experience that Lou and and Slate have had. But you know, when I was sort of in a call center environment, you know, if I was meant to be glued at my desk, you know, taking calls or you know on deadlines and things like that, I would obviously find myself wandering because I'm quite a social butterfly. So mm. you know, there's a joke at work where my my current manager claims she used to hate us because. And I, we used to really clash because I would never be at my desk taking these calls because, you know, I wanted to go talk. I'd be at the toilet 20 times a day or filling my water up or anything I could do to get away from answering a call, I would. But, you know, in the past sort of nine months or so, especially since the pandemic, I've took on more of a role where it's sort of an account manager role. Um, and yeah. I now have the responsibility within my job. It's not that I'm glued at a desk, but I am managing workloads. Um, rather than call after call or this, that and the other. And I've now in a place where I can respect my job more and I've got more pride in my job because of that and I've got the freedom to manage my day. So, you know, although I'm probably not working to the levels that Slater and Lou have in the past or currently, I do understand where you come from, that take, having that ability to to work and sort of manage your own day and manage your own hours mm. is is really important to that work-life balance you know and i, I think it's key oh, as well absolutely. yeah absolutely, absolutely. Sure. we are so sure. much more than our jobs aren't we and i think it's really easy to kind of lose sight of that and to to neglect the other things that make you happy and that bring you joy and when you realize that you can incorporate those things into your life and I mean that's what we talk about when we talk about work-life balance there's a lot of people particularly on Twitter oh there's no such thing as work-life balance when you're self-employed you've got to work all the hours well yeah maybe to begin with you kind of do have to put in the hours to get started and to start building your reputation and going out there and and becoming known from uh for what you do and the problems that you solve and the people that you work for that's important stuff but after a while if you don't take care of yourself it's like that that um phrase isn't it that um analogy um is it an analogy i'm not sure but that, uh, that expression you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first you know if you're in a, a situation in a plane you can't help those around you because if you don't help yourself first you've got nothing left to give and mm-hmm. um yeah and I, I found that in my own experience i don't want other people to go through that and i actually just going back to something that matthew you said earlier on when you were talking about um, the guys that you work with in in the gym and um, and also Lewis this was really important I think your LinkedIn post this week about people say oh you know oh yeah yeah hey how you doing and you're like oh yeah I'm good thanks you and it's just yeah. like a relax we don't kind of yeah. go oh, I've had a really shit day and I'm really yeah. struggling with this and we just don't do that so I trained as a mental health first aider last year um uh, and I also am quite proud of the fact that I was shortlisted for freelancer of the year in the mental health and wellbeing category for writing oh, well done. survival skills for freelance. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. There are so many books out there and I'm realizing I'm going off a tangent again, but there are so many books out there that talk about the practical side. How to set up a business? Do you need a business bank account, a pension, um, personal, what's, what's the insurance called? Public liability insurance or yeah. whatever on the practical side. But when I wrote Survival Skills, there was nothing out there that talked about the mindset 
and the mental health challenges and the balance and the boundaries and how very important they are in terms of avoiding overwhelm and burnout and and just actually getting this more enjoyment from self-employment but now I've completely mm-hmm. forgotten what the other thing was I was talking about you were talking about that you said there was another oh, point yes. with Slater yes. yeah so if you if you are if you ask somebody and they go yeah yeah I'm good and you're kind of like really mm-hmm. are you really okay so always ask twice um yeah. because it's amazing actually if somebody realizes that you really do care you're not just asking that kind of knee-jerk automated question that we all do when we see somebody it's lost all emotion in 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 personal conversations with people there's no there's no truth behind the question anymore it's hi you're right yeah you yeah good thanks Mm -hmm. what do you want it's just a standard call response (laughs) yeah it is exactly yeah i i spend my life literally on calls and writing emails replying to emails to, to people running a project that we have in our business and the there's a few people where we consciously make the effort when we get on a call we will spend the first two three five minutes whatever how are you what's going on in your life mm-hmm. everything all right mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to go to that degree just are you okay is everything all right is there anything i can help you with work-wise that's stressing you out anything you can help me and since doing that and it's such a tiny little tweak um it allows us to have such a better working relationship especially where we work for a huge business and we're all remote or we might not be remote might just be in different offices mm-hmm. um it just it just allows us to have better relationships with people and i think that's what life's really all about is you can't go through life yeah you can't go through life just being by yourself having your own insular conversations mm-hmm. it's actually building connections with people because yeah. that's where we thrive and that's where we learn and grow and develop and and feel that sense of belonging or positivity and um doing things proactively in your day to encourage that versus just going through the motions will in my experience has enabled me to have a much happier work life balance and because it doesn't feel like every day work is work. I'm getting some more of that personal element to it as well. Yeah. And I building these relationships and those connections, whether you're freelance or you're employed, is is just what life's about. Yeah. Ethan, I yeah, think exactly. you're about to jump in there. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, touching on what he's just saying there, like a, a common phrase I'll always use is sort of, if someone says, you're right, I'll say living the dream. That's sort of like my cliche thing around work. You know, and I, I think what you mentioned there, it, it is great. And especially, Sarah, what you're saying about asking twice, you know, sort of really do not being afraid to have that conversation with someone. I think for mm-hmm. me, as personally, it's always tough to sort of maybe have that conversation because you don't want to be seen as less than in someone else's eyes, especially maybe a peer mm-hmm. or, you, you know, have this a manager or, you know, yourselves on this podcast. You don't want to be seen less than. Um, and it's trying to break down that barrier. I think when you're having that conversation with someone and being willing to sort of be vulnerable and say, well, no, I'm having a bit of a tough day, like this happened this morning, mm-hmm. or I've had a rough night. And obviously, Lewis has got a young family, young, a young little boy. Um, you know, his his sleep sometimes can be a bit knocked. And, I, you know, I've never mm-hmm. heard him really complain, but obviously that'll take its tone. You know, it's, it's about trying to find that level of being able to be vulnerable, but not mm-hmm. expose yourself too much. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's even harder though. So it's relatively easier for me and you, Ethan, because our 
personal identity and work isn't damaged by us saying we we're we're struggling as much it's not because work has that hr system it has processes in place to support i imagine it's even harder as a freelancer because your identity to your clients is like that's your reputation they unless you get on a certain level with them they are paying you for a service and they just want to get their value for money so if, mm. if you potentially open up of being slightly lower your you're low mood or you're, you're struggling a little bit do they then see less value in your service and are mm. then less likely to reinvest in and pay for mm. what you're providing and i imagine that's probably a really tough thing to be able to balance mm. yeah i think so and i think i think another thing you sort of touched on this just there but i think another thing that we don't we don't acknowledge often enough is that big businesses and corporates are getting so much better at investing mm -hmm. in a mental health first aider for their team or a mm -hmm. pastoral person i don't even know what would you call it like employee um assistance well-being like well-being yeah well-being representatives and that kind of thing and it's okay to go and talk to somebody if you're having a, a challenging time or whatever but freelancers we don't have the luxury of that support we have to be that support for ourselves and i think if we're not if we don't realize that taking care of our own mental health is super important we need to support ourselves we literally mm -hmm. will have no freelance business left because if you crash and burn your business crashes crashes and burns with you so um yeah i i, I take your point completely about do we want to admit to our clients i think a lot of people feel that that would be one step of vulnerability too far mm -hmm. i would just rather be authentically me. I'm not one of these people who has a business persona and a, and a I was going to say a business persona and a work persona. You know what I mean? Like, like a personal and a work. Yeah, exactly. You're the same person I'm not, every I'm day. Two different people. So, so social media for me is super easy because I am just me. And, mm -hmm. and what you have to realize, I think, as a freelancer is that that might, me being like authentically me, I'm quite neurodiverse, not, not long actually acknowledge that myself I don't talk about it a lot but mm -hmm. my clients do know on the whole and and I'm kind of like well what this means is that xyz you know I might be a bit too direct sometimes and not really think it through or whatever but I would rather I, I masked that for so many years I would far rather be authentically and openly myself and work with people who get that and exactly. who kind of almost see that as a superpower in itself yeah rather yeah. than the people who go mm, yeah do you know what I don't really want to work with you because you're admitting some level of vulnerability I don't want to work mm -hmm. with those people they are not my people so in a way it becomes sort of a self-selecting thing and mm -hmm. if the people that you are putting your whole self out there to in your marketing and in being yourself on your social media if there are people who go mm, no it, it, you shouldn't be being vulnerable in your social media, you shouldn't be talking about mental health challenges or whatever it is, then I, I, I've lost those people. And, and that's good with me. I am totally embracing of that fact, because anybody who feels that way about somebody who admits vulnerability is not somebody I want to work with. And 
And I fought through that for, as I say, the first 10 years of really being quite rubbish as a freelancer. And I would say yes to every piece of work that came my way. And I would work with everybody regardless of whether or not they were a fit with my business or what made me happy or what brought me joy in my everyday work. I've changed that now completely. I say no probably more than I say yes. And it's really important to do that. Yeah. How do you you find that? Yeah, it's especially starting out, you, you, as you say, you take as much work as you can get and you work with all the different kind of people. In terms of my vulnerability, I think it's selective on the clients and how receptive they would be. I've got clients where we're as open as anyone else would be with each other. And we have really deep conversations about how the, how the week's been because they appreciate me opening up. So they open up as well. It's that shared yeah. vulnerability. You're in it together. Yeah. Whereas some clients aren't necessarily like that. Um, and for me, on a day-to-day basis, um, I don't necessarily feel the need to continuously open up. So I can have those different ranges of clients. But it certainly is useful there having clients that you do share with. I yeah. think... When it comes down to working with clients, as you say, Sarah, taking work that you you kind of have to change yourself for, it's such a big energy waste because you're putting Absolutely. all this energy into not being who you are and distracting yourself from the real target of your work. And then that has a knock-on effect to everything else. Mm. Um, so I certainly think that's a factor as well. I necessarily don't yet feel like I've came across that too much, but obviously... It's an ever-changing mm-hmm. situation for me, and I'm I'm always aware that that could, you know, become up to a point where certain clients, you know, don't meet my needs as well as me not meeting their needs, and yeah. um, just being aware of that and having the confidence to say say no, as you say, um, is going to be really important going forward, because certainly I find myself taking early early clients and late clients, so I say finishing the gym at ten o'clock at night, and I'm in six o'clock in the morning and that kind of mm. balance because at the minute I'm saying yes to everything actually mm-hmm. is that more detrimental because I'll go to bed at 11 12 o'clock and then I'm getting up at 5 a.m I'm a little bit tired in the morning and then that has a knock-on effect to the morning clients mm. so it's just being aware of actually you know as much as the situation that I'm in saying no is actually probably long term going to be more beneficial to me instead of saying yes to everyone because then it's as you say going to lead to that burnout where you're you're continuously just not able to to be the person Perform at your best you absolutely be, yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think really i think the thing is to to recognize the signs before you get there because it's too easy to kind of to get to burnout before actually seeing that it's coming and and if you can do something about that but then again you know maybe early mornings and end of the day could be a pattern if you take time off during the middle of the day and you're doing something that restores you during the day you know you're taking some time to relax or do the things that you enjoy doing that aren't work related because as I say you know we don't go freelance to echo the nine to five that we that we um that we do when we're employed I think another thing that's that's important to mention actually is the fact that the more you are authentically yourself in business employed or self-employed the less likely you are to experience that imposter syndrome because you are being true to who you are and Mm -hmm. there isn't this big gap between oh I'm trying to be this person I'm trying to pretend to be this professional person and act in a certain way and speak in a certain way and um 
yeah, just just the, the, the less you can, the more you can be authentically true to who you are, the less mm-hmm. gap there is for that imposter syndrome to creep in because you are you know part of imposter syndrome is think is feeling like a fraud but if you're not being a fraud if you are being authentic to who you are then there's less potential for that to happen yeah Yeah, i think that's a really it's a really good point and it translates to so many different areas not even just in business but in your life We, we all pretend to be something to a degree but actually doing the hard work to being that person so if you're pretending you know all about certain things go and learn about it then you don't have to pretend it's like if you have to give a presentation for example I I give presentations at work all the time and when I am not 100% clear on the information I get that little bit of anxiety oh what if they ask me this oh I don't know but then when it's something that I fully know and it's my stuff and I know what it is, you can deliver it so much better. You're not because you're not wasting brain energy thinking about what could you're thinking. No, I really want to land this bit because this is this is the message. This is what I'm clear on. Um, yeah. So I think there's lots of that probably translates to lots of different areas, actually. So that's really helpful. Um, Sarah, we are getting close to having to sort of wrap this up just as we're hitting sort of the hour mark, before we do get into that sort of final phase, I suppose what would be really interesting for me is what would your advice be, generally speaking? So if someone is working from home or they are a self-employed freelancer and they are struggling um, with probably the work-life balance, the imposter syndrome, they are struggling a little bit with their mental health, what, what are a few practical things that they can do to to make that sort of transition to working from home or working for themselves much easier Mm, well the obvious one and I'm not saying this because I make money from it I make about four pounds a copy on a sale um but just because I know how much it's helped people's mental health already and as I say like 28 different countries around the world just invest 15 pound in a copy of survival skills because all those topics are covered um people have said how reassuring the book is because it is very hard on your sleeve so it's very real you hit you've been listening to me on this podcast you hear my voice throughout the book it's reassuring it's supportive and it kind of encourages you that you're not alone with any of these things um certainly try to find a community that works for you it might be a slack group it might be joining in with a twitter chat once a week um answering some of the questions there getting to know some of the people there set up your own whatsapp group with your own colleagues who you know are doing the same job as you and Mm -hmm. um and kind of get to know them better you don't have to already have that existing relationship to set up a community or look for a community on Facebook. Um, Matthew, I'm sure that there is a community of freelance personal trainers on Facebook. I would put money on it. I don't know for a fact, but would, I'm, I'd be definite that they would. there would be a community of freelance personal trainers or fitness um, professionals on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. And there are things out there. And I think one thing that's worth mentioning is that when you join these communities, don't look at it as what can I get out of this community I think it's really important to build your build awareness of who you are but kind of build awareness of yourself being a generous person who's there to help and support others so it's like give more than you take 
if you kind of look to give four times more than you take, at least initially, be generous with your advice and your own support and your own information. Um, don't go on there and go, oh, you know, can I find a new client on here? Kind of um, be prepared to be vulnerable. It, you talked about that there are certain clients that you feel that you can share and be a little bit vulnerable with and in response, they'll be vulnerable in return and talk about that in the book. It's called a vulnerability loop. I didn't know this um, before I wrote the book. And yeah, it's when you share a little bit of something that kind of puts a bit of you out there. And then that gives the person that you're having the conversation with the confidence to do the same. And that is how great relationships are built. It's just kind of the fundamentals of great relationships but yeah do, do realize that you're not alone talk to other people um mm -hmm. get really clear on your boundaries it, there's nothing wrong with saying in your I mean I for me notifications are a huge distraction um and I'll actually have a I have a this is a very specific tip I have an out of office set every single day and apart from Fridays when it says it's my day off um it says uh thanks for getting in touch I check my emails just a couple of times a day so I can focus on writing hard work and copy for my clients I'll get back to you soon and what that does is that sets me a boundary that means that the minute I get an email I'm not pulled off writing a website for somebody I'm not distracted by the fact that I've got a ping and it's an email and oh god I've got a reply and it instantly it tells the client that they've that I've received their email so that that they can expect a response later it kind of also gives them a secret signal that when I'm working for other clients I don't get distracted I don't hop off the task and my focus gets um pulled away by all these notifications so it's sending a really good message to them that I'm somebody who has boundaries and that kind of I respect my time and I respect my client's time at the same time so that's kind of a good positive thing but what it does mean is that I can just get on with my work without feeling like oh my god everybody needs me like I've got a whatsapp over here and yeah, a message on Twitter and and something on Messenger and emails galore. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid to switch those things off and actually be the boss of those things because you um you can't focus when you're distracted. It's, it's so obvious. And if you set those boundaries, that's actually sending a clear signal, like a, a self worth signal to yourself. I know that sounds daft, but it's also telling your clients that you respect their time and you respect your own time. It's just mm -hmm. part of setting boundaries. This, this you know going to say Lewis, that, that's a great tip. But... That is such a great tip. Good. I, I really like that one. So like, I'm looking forward to seeing now emails coming back of, yeah. Sorry, I'm with clients. I am. I'm busy. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm going to take away and start setting up mm, on a daily yeah. basis. That's such a such a truth in terms of that distraction, and you feel like you almost feel like you've got to reply as well because you've, mm -hmm. you feel like you owe it to people to reply. And then, you know, if you've got An email doesn't need to be that busy. immediate. I think if we don't set that precedent of, oh my God, I got an email, I got to reply to it straight away. Like how yeah. in the hell would you ever manage to give anything 100% of your focus? I, can't, I could yeah. never get into flow. I need to get in a flow state when I'm writing for my clients. And I can't do that if I've got distractions on. So I switch my phone on to do not disturb. All my distractions are switched off on my laptop and my and my email is taken care of. And then that just means that frees me up that time. And it's so, so vital. 
Yeah, that is a, such a brilliant tip. I definitely need to introduce it into my working life as well. I can definitely use that to say, like, I'm busy sort of thing. Very mm. good. Um, Ethan, are we going to move over to your your section? Because I think it is, I'm sure, Sarah, you will have, we, we spoke about your book loads, and we, we can definitely speak about it again. But I, I feel like Ethan's going to ask you a question, because I'm really interested to see what's what's helped you. Definitely. So, Sarah, what we tend to ask is our guests, it's something called see no evil, hear no evil, or hear no evil, see no evil, depending which way I get it round on the day. Um, but basically, we ask our guests along your journey, and it's been a long and fruitful one leading up to your book, you know, um, which is across several countries, and you know, it's, it's fantastic. But what we want to know is what sort of podcasts, books, and even films, if you can't think of any off the top of your head, that sort of maybe drove you along the way or something that continues to drive you today? Ooh, okay. Um, podcasts. Yeah, do you know what? I go through phases of listening to podcasts. There are like way too... I've appeared on 60. I, I feel like to... to, to pick That's a great one, flex, by the way. That is a great pick- flex. What's that a flex? A big flex. That's yeah. that's like a well done. Like, how would you describe a flex, Ethan? Like showing off yeah. almost. Like, don't, yeah, don't oh, look like up. Bad, not, in a, oh. not in a negative yeah, like way. Humble brag. Oh, but it's, it's just a humble like, brag, yeah. you know. It's a bit of a humble yeah. brag. Yeah. Humble very, brag yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just I feel like I couldn't pick out what there are so many out there. Um, there is actually a podcast page because this this podcast will also end up on the podcast page. So if anybody's starting out as a freelancer, I always kind of di- like um, direct them to that podcast page because there's so much free advice out there. And then kind of listen to a few different freelance podcasts and see what works for you. So I, I don't feel like I can shout out one single one. Um, I couldn't find um, I couldn't find a book, Ethan, when I started out that spoke to me. I felt as if um, Everything was like nothing against very American sounding books, but everything was written by like middle aged American guys and very like rah rah. And it just didn't speak to me. Um, I was in my late 20s, was starting out as a parent, starting a freelance business. I couldn't find anything that worked. And that's precisely why I wrote Survival Skills. Um, in terms of, oh gosh. Oh no, I could have done with some prep for this one, couldn't I? Um, no, no, no. Don't worry Sarah, about you it. Say yeah. that you, Sarah, you said no questions. No questions so advice. We, we are absolutely <laughs> my own fault. So, yeah. So no. So it does. It doesn't even have to be that it's helped you through. So is, is there a is there a, a film or a book or anything that has helped you through any stage of your life? It doesn't necessarily have to be work. Something that you would recommend to to listeners. You obviously have a daughter. Has there been a Disney film? Has there been a, a rom-com? Has there been a comedy film, for example, that may have helped you through some basically shit times? I'll tell you what, actually, I'm going to give a shout out to a book that I read actually really pretty recently, who's um, yeah. written by Dr. Nick Hooper, um, mm-hmm. and it's called The Unbreakable Student. Um, my daughter, like me, has um, has had mental health challenges throughout her life, and um, she was a student during COVID and 
I think that really, really didn't help. I think it's been very difficult for a lot of students out there. But um, I wish I'd read this book when she was at uni. My son's now 20 and he's at uni um, studying English and creative writing. So taking off his mum. But I really wish this book had been out when Amy was at university because it's brilliant. It's written by this guy. I think he's a psychologist, but he's also a lecturer at university. So it's intended for young people. So anybody who's out there listening... You don't have to be a student. I took so much from it as a parent and just as an individual, just as a human. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like it puts something like the five ways to well-being, but it puts it in a way that is so conversational, so easy to digest. I'd recommend that book to anybody. Um, it really is. It's it's quite fun. It's quite lighthearted, but there's so much kind of stuff that you can go, yeah, okay that that that's really useful that really works practical advice um written in a really human way so mm-hmm. yeah the unbreakable student fantastic thank you for that i really appreciate it and uh, also if we didn't plug your book enough let's plug it one last time before i let you go <laughs> if you want to get it back on the screen just one last time yeah and where can people buy it that's so it's available for sale on Amazon worldwide. Um, yeah. It's fourteen ninety five, or you can get for the same price. You can get a signed copy direct from me. Support my small business in the process. Um, the copies that I've got are slightly nicer print than the Amazon ones because Amazon are printed on demand and they are brilliant. But the litho printed ones that you can get from me are just like slightly nicer quality. So I'm sure you guys will share the link. links yeah but if, if you, you send know, all the links over we'll yeah just 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 type survival skills for freelancers into amazon and um and have a read because it's got like 400 and something five-star reviews and and whatever i say about it is not worth a jot compared to what other people have said about it because those are people who i don't even know who have read it and have gone do you know what? This is really giving my mental health a boost. It's really helped me realize I'm not alone. It's really helped me grow in confidence and become more successful or whatever it is. It, it Just read other people's reviews. I think it's more powerful. Yeah, no, Brilliant. I agree. Thank and ha- having, having read it, and I have to be honest, I did do what you suggested, Sarah. I did fast read it, but I will go back and read it because there was lots of things that resonated with me and things that I will take away into my employed everyday life yeah so yeah no it was it was truly brilliant well Sarah honestly you have been a brilliant guest our first ever morning guest as well so thank you very much for coming on and and (laughs) that's it yeah well you're (laughs) our second female but our first morning so yeah we we are super grateful um thank you very much you've provided so much rich insight and, and advice for people on today's pod and I'm sure people will will learn loads from it but equally they can learn even more by obviously uh, purchasing your book absolute pleasure to talk to talk to you all thank you and with uh, as a the the parent of a 20 year old lad who's really not one for talking I just think what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing so please do like keep it up it's just brilliant and it's so 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 vital you're doing amazing work yes thank you very much thank you Sarah thank you cool thank you thank you